Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. Today, I have invited Caroline Beresford, an ADHD and executive function coach, to join me on the podcast. Caroline works with adolescents, adults, and families who are navigating life with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, to help them find peace, improve self-awareness, and build emotional resilience. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Well, look, I really wanted to get you on as a guest because we work with many clients, particularly adults, many who have had quite recent um, diagnosis as with ADHD. And as a result of that, you know, may have found it quite difficult to find their best career fit. So I'm really keen to talk to you today um, to find out a little bit more about how you help people with ADHD, and to also hear more about your own career journey. So I always like to start at the beginning. Can you tell us a bit about your career journey and how you came to end up working in this field? Okay, so my career journey is uh, a very sparkly one. This is probably my third different career that I've had. Um, However, rather than sort of beating myself up like I used to about swapping and changing around all the time. I've now come to accept that every move that we make or um, experience that we have um, just is another layer to make our career tapestry a little more rich, I guess. So started studying an applied science degree originally at university. Didn't like that at all. So then changed uh, and finished graduating with a bachelor degree in business with a human resources major. So I then found myself working for a little while in recruitment, which was fun. Um, But then I was offered a really exciting opportunity uh, with one of the large pharmaceutical companies, and that one was Pfizer. So I took a sales and marketing role with Pfizer and worked with them for 10 years, I think. Got the opportunity to work in their central nervous system division. So that gave me the opportunity to learn a lot about anxiety and depression and how our brains and minds work in in that particular area. So after a little while uh, working in that pharmaceutical space, And after having my second child, I've got two boys, two teenage boys. Uh, I had my second baby and I realised that the pharmaceutical industry really wasn't where I wanted to be anymore. Um, There was a lot of travel involved and having a young family made that quite difficult. So I said to my husband one day, I've always had this love of being in beautiful environments. Um, I've, I've always had a real appreciation of beauty. So I love art. I love design. And so I said, would you support me if I studied interior design, which I did. So then I left pharmaceuticals and 
did a, a big 360 and dived into the design world where I successfully ran a practice for 10 years. So at the end of 2019, my family went through a little bit of, I guess, a traumatic experience with my eldest son. He was in year five and he'd always struggled a little bit. Well, actually not a little bit, a lot throughout primary school. He was always the little boy that was climbing the walls, rolling from one side of the room to the other, called up to the school with complaints about him being too distractible and, and impacting, I guess, you know, the class environment negative in a negative way. Over the years, I did take him to several different pediatricians and clinicians. And each time, you know, we would walk away with a sub-threshold ADHD diagnosis. And what that means is that, yes, there are markers there. However, because he was so little and probably because he's, he had what we call the ADHD mask on a lot of the time, clinicians were reluctant to, to give him that full diagnosis because of his age. However, when it got to a point where the wheels really fell off and it got to a point where he was being excluded out of the classroom more than he was in it, I sort of realised that we really needed to sort of get to the bottom of what was going on. So actually removed him from that particular environment, put him into a new school, and that's where that's when we got his diagnosis, actually. I think that was because we took him out of that very strict, regimented environment and he could finally just relax and be himself. And that's when we got his diagnosis, which was hyperactive type. So there's three different types of um, ADHD, hyperactive, inattentive, and then there's the combined type. So we got Felix's diagnosis. In the meantime, I am still working in the design industry, running my practice, and COVID hit. So my design practice was focusing primarily on commercial and retail and hospitality design. So as you can imagine, when COVID took hold, um, I lost a lot of really big projects that I had lined up um, for the for that year. So we're now looking at, that was 2020. I thought to myself, well, I can either sit here and twiddle my thumbs and, you know, not move forward or I can pivot to make the most of this time that I have. And I'd always, because of my interest in the brain and the mind, um, I thought, well, I'd actually really love the opportunity to learn more about Felix's ADHD-wired brain so I could support him more. So I did a little bit of research and found um, a really amazing ADHD coach academy where you, you learn to be a coach. That was the ADD Coach Academy based in New York. It, it, it was an online course and I thought I'll just enroll in the first module, which was simply ADHD. Now that module, there were people from all over the world um, in my class, which was wonderful because it was a really beautiful community to be a part of. And halfway through that module, that six-week module, I started realising that actually some of the ADHD is, is as genetic as height. Quite often it's passed down through the mum I thought to myself, maybe this might explain why I've struggled to find my place in my career path, I guess. I then was assessed for ADHD in the middle of COVID and no surprise, um, I had my diagnosis, which was inattentive 
subtype. And that I was 47 at the time when that happened. So I was, I'm one of the many adults, particularly women, that are finding themselves being diagnosed with adult ADHD. And so, Carolyn, so in an inattentive ADHD diagnosis, what would be some of the potential challenges that someone with that diagnosis may encounter in a in a career or in a in a workplace okay. environment? Okay, so ADHD is effectively it's a lack of the availability of dopamine that we have in our frontal cortex of our brains. When we have a lack of dopamine available, that leads to our executive function or our executive skills being impaired. Like it's different for everybody because ADHD is situationally variable. So someone might present differently in the workplace to what they do at home, to what they do socially. For me, the executive skills that were impacted were primarily being able to maintain attention and focus on activities that I just struggled to be interested in. Attention to detail, admin and things like that has never been my forte. Yeah, really being able to sort of sit and focus for long periods of time. For example, when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, I struggled with having to get through reading, um, you know, the clinical studies and, and those, you know, the figures and statistics that I had to then share with, you know, psychiatrists and other clinicians. You know, I loved the, the marketing side of things and the event holding and things that I had to do with that job. But in terms of that, that working memory, um, that was what, you know, again, that was one of the executive functions that was impacted for me. And what about, I mean, with interior design, um, you know, I imagine some of those projects you worked on were quite long-term projects um, in larger hospitality businesses. Mm -hmm. Is it correct that long-term planning can be a challenge for someone with an ADHD diagnosis or does that not apply to everyone? Um, It doesn't apply to everyone. Someone with ADHD um, is working on a project that they they are just so passionate about, they actually go into hyper-focus mode. And so then other other areas of, of our life drop off. Um, so if it was a project that I was um, really passionate about, which was most of them, was never really a challenge for me. It was when projects would be put on hold um, for significant periods of time and then being able to transition back into them. So transitioning sort of from between different projects and tasks can also be um, a challenge for someone with ADHD. So can you describe what does an ADHD coach do and also the types of clients you work with and some of the challenges that you help people overcome? So ADHD coaching is, it's a partnership. I like to, to describe it as a partnership between the coach and the client. Um, it's very collaborative and it's about the coach and the client building a trust-based relationship where the client feels really comfortable with the coach, can trust the coach and, and be able to sort of talk to them about any challenges um, in any aspect of their life that they might be going through. It's similar to a life coach, but the ADHD coach training that we do, all of the strategies and tools um, and approaches that we take with our clients 
are all specifically made through the ADHD lens. So everything is designed with that um, executive function or executive dysfunction um, with all of our clients. ADHD coaching is a strengths-based coach practice. We start the coaching journey by sitting down, um, getting to know our clients and exploring what their unique character strengths are. We, we use um, several different assessment tools to do that. And it's a really feel-good, beautiful way um, to help the client realise that actually they're not failures, they're not broken. It's just that their minds or our minds or brains are wired differently. And then it's about moving the client forward and working out how they can work with their brain rather than against it. Yeah, and exactly like we do in our strengths coaching, it's all about, you know, when you're using your strengths, you're more energised, more productive, less stressed and usually happier. So I love that, you know, that's a strengths-based model as well. But what would be some of the key strengths that would be common in the clients that you work with? We all have the same set of 24 um, character strengths. Um, that's based on the VR Character Institute um, model. We call our top eight strengths our signature strengths, and they're the strengths that make us innately who we are. That's how I like to describe it to my clients. So for me, my top three strengths are love, kindness, and funnily enough, appreciation of beauty and excellence. When I did my assessment on, on myself, it was really interesting actually to see that that third signature strength of mine was appreciation of beauty and excellence because that, that explained my love of design and, and my need to, you know, always be working in a, in a in a neat, tidy environment and having lovely things around me. That's when I'm most productive. I'm working with so many different wonderful clients at the moment. Um, most ADHDers are incredibly empathetic and generous. Many of us will give, you know, give someone the shirt of our back if, if they need it. Humility is a, another big one. And when we talk about humility, quite often with ADHDers, we find that we can actually overuse our strengths to our detriment. And, and the strength that tend to overuse is humility because what we find is that, yes, it's great to be humble um, and to, you know, not be um, egotistical or anything like that, but, but sometimes it actually holds my clients back because they shy away from letting anyone know any, any of the achievements or they don't even recognise the achievements themselves. So I've developed um, an exercise called the High Vibe File and um, every two or three sessions I will have a client sit down with me and say, okay, I want you to think back as far as you can back into your earlier years, think about an achievement and let's deep dive and really tease out what was your involvement in that achievement, what were the steps that you needed to take to get there and how did you celebrate it? Celebrating is a big thing that I find um, absolutely essential to work with, with my clients because quite often ADHDs don't appreciate just the wonderful things that they have about themselves. Great. And, yeah, you're exactly right. There's a lot of, you know, great strengths that I see even, you know, in the clients that we, you know, a lot of empathy, a lot of creativity, um, mm. that ability 
to engage with people and work in fast-paced environments. You know, there's so many. It's all about, you know, finding that career that suits those strengths. What might be some of the typical challenges that your clients may, may encounter in an education setting, whether it's school or a university or something? Um, a lot of my clients, um, particularly students, if they've got enough self-awareness and they're working with a coach or um, or, or a, another clinician, um, hopefully they'll have enough self-awareness around how their brain functions and what they need to be able to thrive in the education setting. However, sadly, more often than not, the lack of services around ADHD in Australia at the moment um, many people are just not getting that opportunity to explore that part of themselves. Um, so many of the clients that I get coming to see me, we're talking about students in an education setting. Um, you know, it's very regimented. You have to sit still in the one spot for an hour with no breaks or anything like that. If the student is confident enough and self-aware enough to advocate for themselves, then hopefully you know, the, the organisation will have allowances in place and independent learning um, plans set in place. But again, you know, there's many people out there that, that aren't aware of those allowances and, and they don't know how to advocate for themselves. So that's just one example. Impulse control in the education setting for younger students, um, that can be a big thing. You know, if we then move across into a, a workplace environment with ADHD, particularly the um, the hyperactive subtype, emotional dysregulation and impulse control can be um, quite debilitating if the individual doesn't have the right support services around them. So, um, you know, sometimes an ADHDer will be told quite often, oh, you're just too much or you've got no filter. They're, so, they're some of the sorts of challenges. But, you know, on the other hand, on the flip side of that, ADHDs can bring so much spirit and creativity and fun and, you know, quite often, you know, we're termed as a Pied Piper because and we're very, very good at um, drawing people in. Work environment can have, a, you know, a massive impact on people's well-being, um, even those without any sort of diagnosis. Are there any factors that ADHD clients or individuals need to be aware of when choosing a work environment that will be the best fit for them? I think that the landscape around neurodiversity in the workplace and inclusion um, in the workplace is getting better. Certainly with mental health, um, there's been a big shift around um, mental health awareness and advocacy. We're still lacking that awareness and um, can be a bit of a stigma in some workplaces um, in relation to neurodiversity, more so autism and ADHD, I would say. But in saying that, I think that if I was talking to my clients who might be looking for, you know, a change in career or, or exploring a different thing, organisations, for example, a good place to start is actually having a look at their people and culture department, have a look at their policies that they've got in place, what support services the organisation has. Um, and I'm not recommending that people divulge, you know, um, diagnoses or, or personal information right off the start, that's a really delicate area, actually, because we're still very much in that awareness phase. But I would definitely, in interviews, for example, talk to 
HR about, you know, their people in culture, you know, their inclusion policies that they have in place. That would be a good place to start. What would be, if there were um, people out there who are employers listening, what would be some simple things that they could do to make their workplace environment more neuro-affirming? I think it, it really starts from the recruitment process really and who's actually looking after that and having an understanding around what neurodiversity is, you know, having an understanding that just because someone has been diagnosed with ADHD doesn't mean that they're not able to be organised or they're not able to prioritise. means that, you know, it's giving the organisation an opportunity to really enrich their labour force and actually give them a competitive edge against other people that, that they're competing against in the market. So definitely I think there's a huge need for increased awareness and, and education around neurodiversity, in particular ADHD. Yeah, look, there's definitely been some some great work being done, but more to do. How could an individual who has had a recent diagnosis of ADHD perhaps learn how to play to their unique strengths? I think a really great place to start if they're wanting more of a practical, hands-on, self-awareness, self-advocacy, you know, those sorts of skills I think an ADHD coach is a really great place to start. ADHD coaches are not therapists. So what we do is very different to a psychotherapist or a clinical psychologist. What we do is, as I said before, it's all strengths-based. So it's exploring that individual's unique character strengths and then teaching them how to tap into them when they need them. So, So for example, most of my clients and me also, uh, my my lowest strength is self-regulation. And probably 95% of my clients have that as, you know, their lowest strengths. But that doesn't mean that I can't regulate myself. And it doesn't mean that my beautiful 14-year-old, she came to me 12 months ago and was you know, constantly being pulled up at school for talking too much or blurting things out. And now because of the support and and the strategies and tools that her and I have designed specifically for her, she can sit beautifully in class now and follow, you know, what the teachers are expecting out of their students. It's difficult for teachers because they have a lot on their plate. And as I said before, ADHD presents differently in everyone. So it's not a one size fits all. No, not at all. I mean, it sounds like you, it's all about um, helping people become more self-aware, understanding the strengths that they have and how they can play to those strengths and perhaps giving them some strategies to overcome the things that they don't find as easy. Yes. Um, Right? Yep, absolutely. So for example, if, if you had a client, Leah, that was looking at moving into a role that, you know, like a project management role, for example, and, and it was in an industry that they loved, but they, you know, they, they were struggling with that long-term planning. Time blindness with ADHD is another big thing. So that awareness of time and procrastination, that can, that, 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 you know, they're big ones that prop up um, all the time. There's lots of different strategies and tools that, we can sort of work with the client with to to help them overcome those challenges with, you know, long-term planning. I guess it's in the first place finding something that they're passionate about that's going to keep them interested for a longer period of time rather than just 
starting new things and then losing interest and moving on to the next thing, which is often very common for, you know, clients I work with who are high creatives, but, you know, more what I call an adapter rather than a planner. They're like often better with short-term projects or short-term tasks rather Mm. than in-depth tasks that carry on for a long period of time. So, yeah, exactly. I guess the most important message that I would like to to share today is that, you know, I used to be so down on myself for being in the pharmaceutical industry for, well, to start with even, you know, not finishing my science degree. You know, I, I was really cranky with myself for years over that. But, you know, that led me into pharmaceuticals and then I left there to, to more for family reasons really. But then, you know, moving into design and, and now doing something that I think I'll do for the rest of my working life actually it's giving me an opportunity to, I guess, turn my lived experience, you know, the, the experience that my family had, you know, coaching has given me an opportunity to use that lived experience and turn it into a positive. So that for me, that's why I love what I'm doing so much is because I'm helping other people and, and you know, using the skills that I've learned through my coach training, but also drawing on that lived experience, which is just, you know, invaluable. But also drawing on all your transferable skills from working in sales, working in yeah. HR, working in interior design, you know, relationship management, communication, empathy. Um, you know, there's all those other transferable skills, even though you've changed career as I have, that, you know, we still take to the next career. Mm, absolutely. Well, Caroline, it's been wonderful to talk to you. If someone was out there who felt they would benefit from your coaching, how can they find you? So they can reach me on my website, which is The Advocacy Project, and that's spelt with a double D. And my my email is caroline at The Advocacy Project. I'm also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Excellent. I will put all of those links in the show notes and please reach out to Caroline if you feel that working with her would help you overcome some of the challenges that you might be having. Great to talk to you, Caroline. It's been really interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Leah. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.